We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, looking at another part of the model prayer of Jesus. By the way, I, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, you know? And you know, I got my, my friends here. You know, there's a little bit of a glow behind me. Is it kind of, is it doing anything? Online, is, 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 it, is it like putting a little, little glow up here, a halo or something? No? Well, let's get one more tree up here next week and see. Right. Hey, we're going to do a quiz. Are you ready? So you choir and orchestra members, hurry and sit down because we're going to do a quiz. i got a couple helpers with me. Andrew, Linnea, come on up. i got two helpers with me. We're going to take a quiz, and you're going to do it by a vote of hand. Thanksgiving is coming up. Did you know that? Okay, so I'm going to give you a, a food quiz. You guys ready to help me? So it's going to be turkey or ham. What's your favorite? Are you ready? Turkey. Put your hand up. Okay, put them down. Ham. Okay, come here. Yeah, definitely turkey. You bunch of turkeys. All right, this is going to get a little harder. Green bean casserole or sweet potato casserole? Green bean casserole. Wow, they went up quick there. Sweet potato casserole. Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, sure, you're pretty confident. Yeah, sweet potato casserole it is. I hate that. Oh, man, I hate that. Do not. Next Pastor Appreciation Month, next year, do not bring me sweet potato casserole. Okay, here's the next one. This is controversial. Stuffing or cornbread dressing, all right? Stuffing. Okay, put them down. Cornbread dressing. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we, are, we have a mixed vote here, so we'll leave it there. By the way, who raised your hand for stuffing? Do you actually, I'm taught, that means you have to stuff it in the carcass. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Do any of you want to change your vote? Okay, all right. I know, if people are upset with me, that's okay. All right, here it goes. This is really going to be good. Pumpkin pie or pecan pie. Ready? Pumpkin pie. Ooh. Okay, pecan pie. Oh, yeah, this almost unanimous over here, right? Pecan, yeah, pecan, pecan pie, my judges agree with it. Final question. You still with me? Rolls or biscuits? Oh, was it? I'm sorry to disappoint you in my final quiz. Wow, some of y'all haven't been to school in a while. Here we go, rolls. Okay. Biscuits. Yeah, it was a bad question, huh? Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it was definitely rolls. Yeah, give them a hand. Rolls with butter, as my wife would say. She would say any bread with butter. What? Oh, butter with rolls. Are you going to have a little roll with your butter? I've heard that before, too. Hey, today we look at the phrase, give us today or give us this day our daily bread. You're probably hungry now after that quiz. But I want you to notice something as we look at verse 11. It's this, that following the three thighs that we just had, do you remember the three thighs? Okay. We move now into what I call the three us's. So those are 9 and 10, but now in 11 through 13 over the weeks to come, we'll look at the three us's. I know that's not good English, but that's what it is. Notice the petition that we look at today does not include me or my, but it includes us and our. 
This is a reminder to me and I hope to you that selfishness is not to be found in our prayers. I hear many prayers, and some of them occasionally are mine, that tend to have a little selfish twinge to them. But it's not to be that way. And as we look at the model prayer of Jesus today, where he says, pray like this or in this manner, let us ponder what an attitude of dependence is, and also let us ponder needs versus wants. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. In this matter, or pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Speak to our hearts today. God, you've already spoken to me through the praises of your people. God, you've already spoken to me through corporate prayer time. God, we ask now you'd speak through your word. A very familiar verse in the Bible. May it be new and fresh to us today as you are each morning in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Point number one, we start with the word give. Did you notice that? Most of your Bibles, whatever the translation is, it'll say give, won't it? You see, we began, we began with this one with an ask. Are you familiar with that phrase, an ask? S such as in, in, in evangelism, eventually what good is it if there, we never do what I call the ask? Do you know what that is? W would you like to ask for forgiveness? Would you like for God to come in and transform your life. That's an ask. So here, with the word give, we get an ask. And notice, it's an ask that is for God, to God. The word give points to the fact that God is the source of our blessings and needs. You can't get away from him. That's just duh. You don't have to go to seminary for that. When it says, give us this day our daily bread, when we say give, we're throwing that to the Father. We're throwing that to God. He's the source of it all. Yes, I know you have a good job, or yes, I know that you have a skill, or yes, I know whatever, okay? I don't care how big your bank account is. Ultimately, God is the source of all blessings and needs. I remember a guy used to, back years ago, a guy argued with me. He said, no, it's my house. I bought my house. I paid for it. I said, oh, really? Just, just take about five or ten years. Don't take pay taxes on it, and see how long it's really your house. Listen, we need to get out of that I, I, me, me, my, and realize that God is the source. So that's the first thing we need to see. Before we get to the rest of it, he's the source. He's the source. I don't care what it is, he ultimately is the source. And I want you to also notice something. Think about this. I want you to think about God's ability to accomplish what we are asking, to accomplish what we are asking, his ability. Have you thought about God's ability? It comforts me. I don't know about you. I feel good to know that, that I can believe that God is the source of all blessings and needs of everything because of his ability. I'm going to give you four words that start with you, and I want you just to think about God's ability. Scripture 
confirms these over and over again. His ability is, number one, unlimited. Do you believe that? His ability is unlimited. Number two, his ability is unhibited. Number three, it is unmatched. And number four, it is unmerited by us. We don't deserve it. And yet we get this God who has no limit. We get this God who is not bound by anything or nervous about acting because what would people say? Uh, uh, the one true God that is not matched by anyone or anything. And we don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. So we need to realize that when we pray give us that we not earn God's giving. He gives to us because he can. Okay, let's, sometimes we make it too profound. God gives to us because he can and because of his unconditional love for us. Anything we have is given to us because of his grace. We like to use that word, don't we? The most famous song out there, Amazing Grace. God's grace is why we are given anything. We don't deserve anything from God because we're sinners, but because of his grace, he blesses us and meets our needs. So we need to get that perspective when we ask, when we say give. And we are to appeal to God, but as we appeal to God, especially with this phrase here, I think we deserve something. Or even, I've heard this, that God owes me something. Hmm. We appeal to God because he is God and he is faithful and caring and full of mercy. Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. You know this one, Lamentations. It's probably the only verse in Lamentations you guys know. Me too. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. That's where that song comes from. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't matter what happened to me yesterday. You know, I had some good moments yesterday. I really did. And I had some not-so-good moments yesterday. What about you? It doesn't matter because his mercies are new today. God is faithful today. God is caring today. God loves me today. God is full of mercy. So let's think about that. Give. Well, who? Give us. Our. Number two. We are not to pray, give me my daily bread. But give us our daily bread. This prayer teaches us never to be selfish in our prayers. You see, God wants to build a common care and concern between us and others. He commands us to pray like this, give us, not give me. And there's two C words I want you to think about this morning. <clears throat> First one is this. Every time we pray this prayer from our heart, we are affirming our commonality with others. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand that? Our commonality with others. I have things in common with all homo sapiens who are roaming the earth today. What about you? 
Pick the person that's most different, diametrically different than you, and we still have commonality with our, uh, our other humans that are on the planet, okay? So when we pray this, we affirm this. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we're also making an implied commitment because it's not me. We're making a commitment to help provide bread for needy friends. You should think about that for a minute. There's that commonality of us all, but there's also a commitment. When I pray, give us our daily bread, it's not just about me, but others involved, perhaps some who even are needy and need help. We not only depend on God for his provision, but we also commit ourselves when we pray this prayer to be part of God's answer for others in need. Let me tell you something. Don't pray this phrase if you're not going to be part of the solution, if you're not going to help meet needs. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because I believe Hoppentown, for the most part, we, we are about that. We are meeting every week. We are helping to meet needs. When things come up, listen, I was at Friday night at an auction at church. Don't worry, it wasn't in the sanctuary. It was a Sunday school class. And people were bidding obscene amounts for things that I was going, what are you doing that for? You know why they were bidding that high? Because all the money went to benevolence to help people out. And this class had helped a lot of people out over the years. I heard about hospital bills. I heard about new tires. I heard about just various basic needs. I heard about all kinds of things they were doing. By the way, I did have the winning bid on a beautiful leather Broncos jacket. <laughs> so I don't care what the temperature is on Sports Sunday next year. I'll be wearing that. Doug, I'll be wearing a coat that day, all right? Yeah. So we're about that. But listen, be careful when we pray that. We must really be about that. 24, as you think about us and our. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Philippians 2.4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So if you read your Bible, you'll track with me here and understand that I believe there's an underlying biblical principle right here with just us and our. And it's this. Have you heard of this? The Bible talks of it. We reap what we... Say that. We reap what we... And that's not S-E-W, but S-O-W, right? When we sow love and generosity towards others, we will reap it later. It's a promise blessing. Now, I know the health and wealth and prosperity guys have messed all that up. But that doesn't take away this truth. We still reap what we sow. We don't give generously or meet needs just so we'll get more. But we know it's a principle. It's one of God's principles. Proverbs eleven twenty four. One person gives freely yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. Jesus' words, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Do you see the principle? It's there. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. 
God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So let's take an inventory today. Just you, yourself, and yourself. You just think about how your year has been going. How you doing? How are you sowing? I'm not taking an inventory about how you're reaping. Because that's God's timing. But how are you sowing? How are you sowing? I could sit here and spend the rest of the time giving testimony after testimony of people right here in this church I know who are sowing generously. Sowing generously. And it's not always just with something like a meal or even help with a gas bill, but it also there's a spiritual aspect to it. Did any of you read the Thursday email this week? By the way, if you're not getting the Thursday email, you need to call Susan France and get on that list. Did you happen to see what our goal is for 2022 Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions? Now, I had faith, but our mission council had more faith. (laughs) $150,000. We're going to have an opportunity to sow generously. And we're going to see and hear stories all over our world, the reaping that happens spiritually. So I'm excited about that. We get all kinds of options. But I would say, if you haven't really thought about it lately, today, you know, the Broncos will lose today. You don't need to watch football. Just go home and take an inventory. How am I doing? Lord, am I sowing as you want me to do? Well, let's move on. Point number three is we think about give us this day our daily bread is the idea of today and tomorrow. This is where it's gonna, we're going to drill down. It's gonna, we're going to get in the weeds, Lord. Are you ready? I'll talk fast. You listen fast. When we get to the word daily here in Scripture, we run into a little bit of difficulty with interpretation. Did you know occasionally there's difficulties with interpretation? Yeah, there is. Okay? We weren't all there when it was written, were we? And it's tough to look at sometimes. You see, there's been considerable doubt as to the meaning of the word epiousios, which we translate into English daily. In fact, for many centuries, there's been doubt, and we just don't know how to interpret this word. Until recently, there was ne- listen, there was never even another known occurrence of this word in the entirety of the Greek language or literature. Not just the Bible, not just the New Testament, but Greek literature, secular even. What is this word? Where did it come from? In fact, it's so strange and foreign that early church father Origen, have you ever heard of that guy? That's going way back. That's way before the medieval times even. Origen said this. He, He believed that Matthew invented the word. He just made it up. Hmm, interesting. But now, I love archaeology. We have discovered recently, fairly recently, a papyrus fragment that turned up with this very word in it. Okay? It's not a fragment of the Bible, but it's a fragment from the Greek language back then. Guess what this fragment was? It was a woman's shopping list. So ladies... Have at it. Have at it. Daily, right? Daily. No, I'm not saying that, okay? But interestingly, it was a woman's shopping list, and against an item on the list was the word epiousios. Interesting. It was a note to remind her to buy supplies of a certain food for the coming day. It was just a little note that was there. 
That's very interesting to me. So we might pray, Lord, give me the things we need to eat for this coming day. Could we pray that way? Help me to get the things I've got on my shopping list when I go out this morning. Give me the things we need to eat when we come home or come in from work, from school. Grant that our table would not be bare when we sit down together today. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer that God would supply us with the things we need daily. Furthermore, linguists tell us that the word epiousios not only means today's bread, but also there's another little picture to it, to be translated tomorrow's bread. Remember the shopping list? Interesting. Practically, we could say this. I believe this. Maybe you've never thought about this. If we pray this prayer and offer it in the morning, it's a prayer for the needs of the day. If we pray this prayer in the evening, it is a prayer for the needs of the next day. You follow me? Makes sense, doesn't it? The basic primary sense is the same, whether it's for the needs of today or anticipating the needs of the next day. Give us today tomorrow's bread. We could say it like that. It's a prayer for God to meet our daily physical needs. And, of course, we know in Scripture many places where this was true, right? We have examples of this. The big one that you're probably most of you thinking about is manna. And we could list a number of things there. Now, why is that a big deal? Because some of you are like, I go to Costco. I go to Sam's Club. And I, by the way, you know, it's getting expensive, isn't it? Uh, and and I, I get stuff. Like Lynn informed me this past week we were down to our last box of Kleenex. And she's having this stuff going on, so it's like blowing nonstop. And then she said something I will never forget. She said, and we haven't bought it in a year. I said, what? I said, who even keeps track of stuff like that? Of course, if you've been to Costco, you know the big thing of Kleenex you can buy. Anybody bought that besides us? Wow, all right, man. Listen, the original hearers hearing Jesus, this was not the case. This idea of give us today our daily bread was very important to them. Why? Because they lived a very precarious lifestyle. Do you remember? Most were paid one day at a time. It wasn't that many generations ago, even in America, it was that way. You labored for a day, what? Boss gave you cash. Now, you can't do that cash stuff anymore, right? They'll come after you. But that's how it was. In those days, most laborers, most people got paid each day. Denarius. It's a term that coin talking about that we see in the Bible. So I think that's interesting to know. Because for those folks, all it would take was a few days' illness that could spell tragedy for them. So this really spoke to them. Give us today our daily bread. It's worth noting that this prayer for bread tells us something, I believe. If you look between the lines, God cares about our bodies. God cares whether we're hungry or not. Now, most of us, he goes, okay, maybe I should skip it for a few days, right? Wouldn't hurt us, would it? But God cares about our body. Listen, we are the creation of God, are we not? 
We are the pinnacle of his creation. We are the only ones that have a soul and a spirit. We're the only ones that can commune, can have relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? I know you love your pet, but I'm sorry. Your pet, man, I, see, I watch shows sometimes where they're talking about some animal. I'm not going to get into heaven, but, you know, all this stuff about... They, listen, my father-in-law dog does not have a relationship with God. I'm sorry. Old Muffin just does not. But we can, and we do, and we make that choice. So I think it's very interesting to note that he cares for our bodies. Every day, according to the model prayer of Jesus. And let me go a little bit further about our body. I mean, I mean, look at this. Look at this. Could I not suit up today and go? I could go for one, one play. And then I'd be crying for mama. All right, and they'd have to take me out on a stretcher. Listen, this body, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you are truly a Christian. We forget that sometimes. That's what Scripture says, does it not? Let's take a look. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Paul writing to the Christians in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Give us this day our daily bread. This prayer teaches us to daily depend upon God's provision. And notice something here. Look at it. We ask God to give it. Have we established that? We do not ask God to sell it to us. We do not ask God to lend it to us. I'll have an IOU. No. God, give it to us. It shows that dependence. You see, we are all dependent upon the Lord, whether we realize it or want to admit it. Let tragedy come into your life, and I don't care how big your bank account is. I don't care how secure you feel. I don't care how healthy you might be. Listen, it can be taken away in a heartbeat, no pun intended. We must realize that we are dependent upon the Lord for all of it. And it's a truth whether we realize it or not. I would prefer to realize it. Remember, even though God knows our needs before we ask, do you remember we just covered that in a few verses back? He knows our needs before we ask, but this prayer acknowledges our dependence on him for daily provisions. It's been said this way. Note that this is a prayer for our needs and not our greeds. Our needs and not our greeds. Proverbs 38 and 9 is a pivotal couple of verses dealing with this. Here's what it says. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me, listen, give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have 
nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. Do you see the balance? Do you see the scriptural balance? I, I believe there's Christians all over the United States who, who, of America who are quite wealthy and they're not in line, they're, they're not obedient to the Lord because it specifically says, give me neither poverty nor wealth. Why do we have the wealth that we have? It's to do the work of the Lord. Not to, I hate to say it, not to pass it on to the great-grandchildren. It's to do the work of the Lord. So if you're sitting there with wealth, take a look at these verses and say, ooh, I don't want to have too much and deny you. And look what I got, God, right? And the other end of it, we want to help others. So they're not looking for the next meal. They're not in poverty, lest they would have nothing and steal, profaning the name of the Lord. Proverbs 30, 8 and 9. So I got a question for you this morning. Are you greedy? Sorry, I looked at you. Are you greedy? I, I, I'm transparent. Would you agree? I'm fairly transparent with you. Sometimes I am greedy. I told Lynn the other day, we ain't spending no more money. Do we have more money to spend? Yes. I just didn't like what we had spent. Why? Because sometimes that pops up into my mind greedy. Now, some of you are looking, like, looking at me like it's never happened. Really? I'm going to find you after church, and I'm going to ask you for Benjamin Franklin, a $100 bill, and I'm going to find out if you're greedy or not. And if you make an excuse like you don't carry cash or whatever, I'm going to say, greedy, greedy. No, I, I'm joking, but it's seriously another inventory for me to do, and I need to do it almost daily, at least in my life. Maybe for you it's only weekly or monthly. But am I greedy? Or, how about this, am I in proper alignment with this prayer? Am I dependent upon God? Let me encourage you with this. Never outgrow your dependence upon God. 1 Timothy 6, 7, and 8. Now, I will confess as a father, I have misapplied verse 7. You'll see, but let's hang in there for verse 8, all right? 1 Timothy 6, 7, and 8. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Now, I misuse that by saying, we have four boys, right? At one time, they were all teenagers. And I said many times, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out of this world. Get over here. Whatever your name is, get over here. <laughs> Kids, don't look at me like that's bad. You, that's happened to you. Come on. And when you get to be parents, you'll probably do the same thing. You'll do like I did. You'll say, I'm not going to say what my parents said. And then you turn around and do it sometimes. <laughs> Trick is frequency, right? That's not what it says. It says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But here's the next verse. Here's the context of it. But if we have food and clothing, look around. Everybody has clothing today, right? It's a good thing. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. It's not talking about how many cars I have or how big my house is or what my bank account looks like or, unfortunately, what the stock market looks like. It's I, I am to be content if I have food and clothing. Doesn't that simplify it? I think it does. Give us this day, our daily bread. And number four, last point, bread. Let's go further. 
I see application all over the place. It doesn't say that specifically right here, but the Bible is clear that we need spiritual bread. Are you aware of that? The Bible is very clear that we need spiritual nourishment. So as I pray, as I look at that, give us this day our daily bread, I am reminded of the fact that there should be no argument. You know what? I need spiritual bread as well. And I think you do as well. Have you noticed, Bible scholars, that there's only one other place in, in the entire Bible where a request to give us bread is spoken? There's one other place in the Bible. It's during Jesus' sermon where he's talking about spiritual bread. John chapter 6. Take a look. Verses 32 through 35 I'm going to read. Only other place. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, Jesus talking about himself, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, here it comes, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, and you remember this verse, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see, Jesus always goes beyond the good. He always gets to the best, what is best for you and me. He's the one who can satisfy the hunger of the soul. He is the bread of life. So just as God is the source of all physical provision, he's also the source of all spiritual life. And I can't hammer this down enough. Some author is, that writes a book, I don't care how famous the book is, they are not the author, uh, they are not the originator, they are not the source of spiritual life. I don't care what faith system is out there. That faith system is not the source of spiritual life. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity who we believe in, who Scripture testifies to, is the source of all spiritual life. That's why occasionally I don't like to have these, these tangent conversations with you. I'm happy that, you, that God has revealed to you that in, in the end this is going to happen. I'm happy that you have brought clarity to a certain passage that is confusing me. Listen, the main thing we should keep as the main thing. By all means, study. By all means, grow in your knowledge of the Lord, but also grow in your obedience to the Lord. And listen, let us, even my interpretations are not the source of spiritual life. God is the source. This is very comforting to me. Is that comforting to you? That should be so comforting to you. Because what happens? Because we're humans. The Bible says we're all sinners. We'll mess it up. We'll never get it perfect. But God gets it perfectly. It's very comforting to me. If you'll think about that a minute and get over the fact that I just dissed your favorite author. I didn't mean to do that. But get over all that and just realize, man, I, I can be comforted. My trust fully can be in you. Listen, that's the gospel, is it not? Those of you watching online or here today, maybe you're guests with us today, maybe you've been coming for a while, maybe you've been searching, you've been seeking. Listen, this is the gospel. All have sinned. We're humans. We've messed it up. We haven't reached the mark that God has, the glory that is due to him. And yet he sins 
a rescue plan. What does Jesus say? Scripture says he came to seek and save the lost. This is the gospel. God is willing to rush into your life and transform your life. We call that becoming a Christian. As we do what? As we, we turn from our life, we just run to him and say, God, forgive me. Do your thing. You could say it this way. God, do your thing in my life. Forgive me. Transform me. I turn from that. My way hasn't worked and run to you. That's the gospel. And why can, that be, why can I be so sure about that? Because it's clear. God is the source of all spiritual life. So as we close, don't quit writing. I'm going to give you five S's for application. We will grow spiritually only as we draw close to God. If we do not, we will inevitably be starved spiritually and feel spiritually hungry. Remember, he's the bread of life. He's the living water. So let's depend upon the Lord. Here's five things that I thought about and I want you to think about. Five S's. Number one is salvation. Depend on the Lord for salvation. Don't depend on me for it or your buddy. We can help you. We can lead you to that point. But that's you and God. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't understand all that, but that's what the Bible says. You can depend upon the Lord for your salvation. Not certain good acts you're doing, or not some system, or some mantra, or this or that, or I'm better than the other person. Depend upon the Lord for your salvation. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Number two, here's the second S. Depend on the Lord for strength. Strength. Now this is strength in good things and difficult things. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean I'm going to get an Olympic record. That's not what that verse is about. But whatever comes my way, whether good, neutral, or horrible, Jesus Christ can strengthen me to get through that. Number three, depend on the Lord for stability. Stability. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who is working in you. Did you catch that? It is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. The next one, number four, is safety. Depend on the Lord for safety. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. I'm going to read part of it. Paul speaking, writing, For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We personally had a death sentence. Do you remember this passage? We had a death sentence, and God has, deliver, God has delivered us from such a terrible death, and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. That's where the safety is in him. Number five, depend on the Lord for solutions. There's too many verses, so I'm going to give you a quote. Now, Raise your hand if you're a guy in here. I caught some of you sleeping. Let's try it one more time. Elbow him if you need to. Any guys in here? Yeah. Man, we're good at solutions, aren't we? If I had a dollar every time Lynn said, I don't need you to fix it. Just listen. Come on, right? 
And I even like to do that. At some point when people say, let's quit worrying about the problems. Let's come up with solutions. Listen, depend on the Lord for your solutions. I don't know what solution you need, but Charles Haddon Spurgeon said it best back in the day. Here it is, the quote. When you have no helpers, see all your helpers in God. When you have many helpers, see God in all your helpers. When you have nothing but God, see all in God. When you have everything, see God in everything. Under all conditions, stay thy heart only on the Lord. You see, it matters not what our situation is. It matters not what our problem is. It matters not what our predicament is. Give us this day our daily bread. God is the source, and whether it's plenty or not, stay thy heart, focus, meditate, spend time only in the Lord. So, how are you doing today? Perhaps you are thinking about this God relationship. We've, we've shared the gospel message. I want to share to you two other things that just hit me this morning. This morning from the book of Galatians. Remember when we studied it? I want you to think about Paul. Would you like your life changed? Listen, God is all about life change. And you'll remember the story of Saul who became Paul. His life was radically changed, and God can do that for you. Let me read to you Galatians 1.13. For you, this is Paul writing, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Folks, that includes murder. That's what he was all about. And then just a few verses later, Galatians 1, 23. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us, Paul, now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. How can that be? That can't be, except for God impacting a life. And we know the story in Acts, don't we? Acts chapter 9, the road to Damascus. Now listen, all of us don't get to be blinded by the light. Hey, that would be a good song title, wouldn't it? Oh, wait, that's already happened. Sorry, that just popped in my head. Listen, we don't all get to be blinded by the light and, and audibly have Jesus Christ say, stop persecuting me. I'm the one you're persecuting. But God is working in your heart this morning. Unto salvation, maybe a decision that you need to make, maybe a belief that you need to instill into your life, maybe an act of obedience that he's asking you to do. God is in the business of changing lives. From the guy who was set on destroying Christianity to all of a sudden being a great preacher of that faith. In fact, the greatest missionary that ever walked the planet. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. God, we do ask for this. We do pray for this. We do acknowledge that we have physical needs that you can meet. And we also acknowledge the spiritual nourishment and needs that we have. I'm burdened today for those listening, wherever that is, 
who are searching. And God, I don't know if it's pride, if it's confusion. Lord, I don't know. Stubbornness. But you have brought them directly in front of you. And it's a crisis of belief. And God, I pray that today, people, this week as well, Lord, that people would repent, would turn from their sin, their way, would run to you and ask for forgiveness, realizing you're the one who can forgive. And that you would save them and that you would transform them. And that you would put them on this Christian life. God, that you, as salvation comes to them, that you would begin to radically change their life. That you would be Lord. You'd be the controller of that life. God, we ask for that today. You are the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And what you did with Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, life change, change of life, you can do that today, and we ask for that. And God, I pray for Christians all across this room, listening online, that we would be a part of that with people's lives, and that we would understand the dependence we have on you as we pray, give us today, give us this day, our daily bread. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.